In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with you on this wonderful day in which we honor Mary as our Queen. And we always like to start off our conversation by praying to Mary and praying that prayer that Mary loves most. Prayer that Mary loves most is, of course, the Hail Mary. So today we're going to be honoring Mary as Queen. We pray that beautiful prayer, the Hail Holy Queen, at the end of the Most Holy Rosary. So we'll also be able to conclude our conversation today by saying that prayer, the Hail Holy Queen. It's true that Mary is the mother of God, Mary is the mother of the church, and Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. And she's queen. And St. Therese says that Mary is not only queen, but also she is mother. And St. Therese says that she's more mother than queen. And Pope Francis is going to be writing a, a document on St. Therese uh, that was already announced by the uh, Vatican office. So thanks be to God that we'll honor St. Therese. And St. Therese had a great devotion to Mary. So let's say the the prayer that Mary loves most, and that's the, uh, that's the Hail Mary, and beg that Mary would always be our queen. Together. Hail Mary full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite our spiritual director to be with us. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is the Paraclete. He's also known as the Gift of Gifts from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. And related to Mary, Mary is the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. Mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. So let's beg the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 8, that we really don't know to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. So we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's uh, beg the Holy Spirit to be with us and to rejoice 
through the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we have the contemplation of Mary crowned today as Queen of Heaven and Earth. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Archangel Gabriel, pray for us. Archangel Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. On this wonderful Memorial of the Crowning of Mary, Queen of Angels and Saints. So, my friends, I'll be placing all of you on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. No greater prayer in the whole universe than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to place you on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I'd like to offer the following intentions. First of all, I'd like to pray that all of us today, in honor of Mary, who is the daughter of God the Father, Mary is the mother of God the Son, and Mary is the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit, that in honor of Mary, and following her example, that we would be open to the Holy Spirit. Open the Holy Spirit and His heavenly inspirations. And we can pray this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention will be I'd like to pray 
in a special way for your families, especially for the conversion of our family members that are perhaps not walking on the right path, the path that leads to eternal salvation. I'd like to place them on the altar and pray that God would give them light as we celebrate Mary's queenship today. All things are possible with God. And all things are possible through the powerful intercession of Mary, who is the beloved of God the Father. My last intention will be, especially as we honor Mary, I'd like to, be pray, I'd like to pray for those who will be dying today. Remember the words of Jesus. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his immortal soul? So, I'd like to pray for all that are dying today that through Mary's powerful intercession that they would open themselves to God's mercy, beg for mercy, and thereby to be saved. We say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So, my friends, today we celebrate the Queenship of Mary. What I'd like to do today is, uh, I'd like to talk about the connection between the Assumption Mary and the Queenship of Mary, and God willing, <coughs> to talk about a saint that I think really illustrates or exemplifies the, the crowning of Mary today. And let's all try to grow in our love and devotion to Mary today. Perhaps we can renew our consecration to Mary today on her queenship. So, about a week ago, we, we actually celebrated the Assumption of Mary. So let's try to make the connection between the Assumption of Mary and the Crowning of Mary. Of course, you know, in the glorious mysteries, the Assumption of Mary and the Crowning of Mary are the last, the last two mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary. So we celebrate the Assumption of Mary August 15th every year. And then, August 22nd, we celebrate the Queenship of Mary. So let's start by talking about the Assumption of Mary. In uh, my last book that was published, the, which is the uh, Marian Compendium, 
not only did I write chapters on devotion to Mary, but I also was able to explain the Marian dogmas. And there are four Marian dogmas, which means a dogma is a truth that's been declared by the Catholic Church, by the magisterium, by the, by the papacy. Dogmas, these are truths that have to be believed. <laughs> like the Trinity, the Incarnation, the dogma of the of original sin. There's dogmas. But there are four Marian dogmas. And they would be Mary's Immaculate Conception, then Mary's Perpetual Virginity, then we have Mary's Divine Maternity, meaning that Mary is the Mother of God, and lastly, we have the last dogma that was proclaimed by Mary is the Mary's assumption into heaven in body and soul. So it was Pope, Pope Pius Twelfth, who also proclaim this feast day we celebrate today, Mary's Queenship in 1954. So, it was 1950, November 1st, that the Holy Father, Pope Pius XII, Venerable Pope Pius XII proclaimed this new Marian dogma and it's the assumption of Mary into heaven. And what this means is the following. That after after at the very end of Mary's earthly pilgrimage on earth that Mary was taken up into heaven in body and soul. Taken up into heaven in body and soul. The church does not define uh, in a definite manner whether or not Mary died or Mary was simply taken up into heaven. Most prominent theologians, most prominent theologians speak about the Dormition of Mary. Dormition of Mary. And that means that Mary entered into just a very, it's like a very profound sleep and she passed away. And then Mary was buried and when they went to the tomb, some of the mystics say three days afterward in honor of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then when they went away, went to the tomb, 
where Mary is buried, the stone was rolled back and the body of Mary was not present there. And there were angels singing. And this is not biblical, but this is according to the pious tradition of the Catholic Church. The, um, there's a very beautiful scene, very beautiful scene in Father Patrick Payton's movie. And this movie presents the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. And what Father Peyton does, he presents Mary, this would be in, in preparation for her assumption into heaven, Jesus from the cross said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother, to St. John the Evangelist. And then the beloved disciple took Mary into his home. So according to tradition, St. John the Evangelist was exiled on the island of Patmos. And he was the bishop of the seven churches in Asia Minor that you can read at the beginning of the book of Revelation. But Mary, aware of the fact that the Lord was going to take her from heaven to earth, Father Peyton presents it this way. That Mary asks the beloved disciple John to go back to Jerusalem where before Mary passes from this life to the next, that Mary will go and visit most especially the places where Jesus suffered. So Mary goes back with John and goes into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweat blood. Then the place where he was bound to the pillar and scourged. And then John and Mary, they go to Calvary. And they ascend Calvary and Mary is calling to mind. This is kind of like what we should be doing in contemplation. Calling to mind. What happened on Calvary that first Good Friday. And then Mary and John arrive at top of Calvary where Jesus was crucified and there they're standing at the place where Jesus was actually crucified. Then, after, with great devotion, Mary and John revisit the different stations of the Passion of Christ, then they go to the upper room this upper room, which is also known as the Cenacle, where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, where Jesus breathed on the apostles the Holy Spirit, giving them the power to forgive sins, giving them the power to forgive sins, as well as instituting the sacrament of confession. 
And then Mary goes to an adjacent room with John and she wants to say goodbye. She wants to say goodbye to the apostles before she enters into what is called the Dormition. She falls asleep in the Lord. And what happens is John is present there next to Mary in the adjacent room. Mary's laying down. And John is sitting beside him. And the apostles come in one after another. And Mary gives her following her last words and blessings to all of the apostles. Very touching scene. Of course I'm saying that this is not biblical, but this is the way Father Patrick Payton, the rosary priest, uh, presents this in the rosary. Very, very touching. Very touching. So, Thomas arrives and Peter, Peter arrives later. When he finally arrives, John the Evangelist says that she's been waiting for you. She's been waiting for you. And then Peter enters into the room closes the door and then John leaves and Peter falls to his knees and he says my lady and Mary takes the hand of Peter Peter then they enter into a very profound dialogue but the essence of the dialogue is the following Peter is still aware of the fact that he denied our Lord three times, but also he told Jesus three times, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. So Peter says to Mary, My lady, I'd like to ask you a favor. And Mary says, of course, what would you like? And he says to her, Mary, when you go to heaven to be with the Lord, I'd like you to tell the Lord, tell the Lord these words. Tell the Lord that I love him. Mary says, well, Peter, Jesus already knows that you love him. Peter says, I know, I know that, but it sounds much better from your lips. 
It sounds much better from your lips. Very touching scene. And I think we can do the same thing. So we honor the assumption and the crowning of Mary in these last these last seven, eight days. It's a very beautiful scene, isn't it? Very touching. It's a, it's a tearjerker if you really think about it. We can do the same thing. You love Jesus. So do I. But if we tell Mary, Mary, tell the Lord Jesus, tell the Lord Jesus, I love you. If that is said through the heart and the lips of Mary, it sounds much better, doesn't it? So remember that. Very beautiful, isn't it? Very touching. Very touching. Sounds much better from the lips and from the heart of Mary. Then Mary is taken to the She's taken to the place where she's buried. And then they place her in a tomb. Then they roll the stone. And then after that, after three days in commemoration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they go back to the tomb. And they see that the stone is rolled away. There's the aroma of roses, the singing of angels, and all of the disciples, the apostles, know that Mary is no longer with us, but Mary has been taken up into heaven in body and soul. So there, my friends, we have there, my friends, we have the a recap of the assumption of Mary into heaven, body and soul. The church teaches this, that related to Mary's assumption and relating up to Mary's coronation. They say, for example, you die... And God willing, you go to heaven. So, church teaches that when you die, if you were to die, Uh, and you die with perfect love in your soul, then you would go to heaven with your soul. Okay, just with your soul. And not until, not until the, the end of the world, what is called the general judgment, where Jesus will come to separate the, 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 the goats on his left and the sheep on his right, those will be saved and those will be lost. Only not until the end of the world, the general judgment, 
will our souls be united to our bodies? So even the souls in heaven now, they're still incomplete. They're happy, but they're incomplete. But there are, there are two, two persons that are in heaven in body and soul. This is what the church teaches. And that would be Jesus, after he rose from the dead, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, then through his own power, Jesus ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We pray in the creed. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. So Jesus in his ascension, he goes up to heaven. In body and soul. And Amalia is asking, even if you are cremated, then your body will be will come together and you'll have what is called a glorified body. It will no longer suffer. It'll become light like the stars. It will have subtlety, which means traveling faster than light. There'll be no pain or suffering. So our body, our glorified body, is going to be different than our, our body right now. Now our body suffers. It has sicknesses. That will not happen once we get to heaven. Then talking about the assumption of Mary, Mary, Mary was taken up to heaven, body and soul. She's taken up by God's power, by God's power. All right, so there we have the assumption of Mary into heaven, body and soul. And one of the messages the church gives to us is a message of hope that Mary went to heaven, Jesus went to heaven, Jesus went to heaven to prepare a place for those who love him. But Mary went to heaven not to be inactive, but also to help us from heaven so that we can arrive at our our heavenly destiny. So Mary's not inactive in heaven. Quite the contrary. Mary's in heaven helping us, her beloved children, to make it to that destiny. And we're called also by meditating upon the bodily assumption of Mary to use our bodies properly. Calling to mind, as St. Paul says, glorify God in your bodies. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And St. Paul will go on to say that we are, we are ambassadors of Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador means someone who, who represents the country. The ambassador of the United States or, or Great Britain or Mexico he represents the whole country. We are called. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. 
Okay, now let's uh, talk about the crowning of Mary, Queen of Angels and Saints. What we could try to do using using our imagination is connect Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth with the saints. We're going to try to maybe do an Ignatian contemplation to imagine what it must be like. But I'd like to, as I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, I'd like to mention a saint. I think that really illustrates this feast day of Mary's crowning in a very special way. And this saint, we actually celebrated his feast day the day before the Assumption of Mary into Heaven. And the name of the saint is Saint Maximilian Kolbe. Saint Maximilian Kolbe. Why do I say that this is very much related to the crowning of Mary? For this reason. And I also had the privilege of being present at the canonization of Maximilian Kolbe in 1982. I was in Rome preparing, studying to become a priest and become an oblate of the Virgin Mary. Our novitiate was uh, was only about a half a mile away from the Vatican on a place called the Janiculum. So I was privileged with some of my novice companions to go to the canonization ceremony of St. Maximilian Kolbe who was canonized by Pope John Paul II. And it's related to this. John Paul II, excuse me, St. Maximilian Kolbe, as a child, his name was Raymond. And he was a little bit naughty and his mother said, Raymond, Raymond, what's ever going to happen to you? And he took that to heart and it went through somewhat of a conversion as a child for not living up to the high moral standards that his mother and father wanted of him. Only God is perfect. And then we have, in the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, as a little child Raymond, he had a vision of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was beautiful. She was majestic. And she presented she presented to Colby, little boy, two crowns. As we honor the crowning of Mary. Two crowns. One crown was white, 
the other crown was red. And the lady had in her hands the two crowns. A white crown and a red crown. And the lady said to the little boy, which of these two, which of these two crowns would you like? And Colby, with great spontaneity and generosity, said, I want both of them. I like the white crown and I like the red crown. And of course these two crowns are are very symbolic. Have a great a deep symbolism, very symbolic. The white crown was symbolic of Colby consecrating himself to God as a religious Franciscan priest, as a Franciscan as well as a priest. Then, the next crown, the red crown, would be the crown of martyrdom. So the white crown, that of purity, and the red crown would be that of martyrdom. So in honor of Mary's crowning as queen of heaven and earth, Let's uh, enter into the night of the Immaculata Colby. Let's just relive in honor of the crowning of Mary the manner in which this great saint offered himself as a victim, as a holocaust to God through the Immaculata. So, Colby, I'd like to talk briefly about the Knights of the Immaculate and the way in which he died. Maximilian Colby was sent to Rome to work on his, on his doctorate. Colby was brilliant. Only had one lung, but he was brilliant. When he, was, when he arrived at Rome, he was horrified at the spread of Masonism, the Masonic cult. And he saw a huge portrait of Satan, Satan <coughs> actually stepping on Mary and stepping on St. Michael the Archangel. So just the exact opposite of what we see, Mary crushing the head of, of, the, of the snake. It was just the exact opposite. 
And Colby was taken aback. And the Masons, a real tool of the devil, were growing and trying to spread the poison of evil, trying to do as much evil as possible and get people to deny even the existence of God. So Colby set up what are called the Knights of the Immaculata. And their exterior symbol was that of wearing the miraculous medal. Colby would carry many of them in his pocket and he would give them out. He called this his spiritual bullets. His spiritual bullets that he would give out. Now, Colby set up a group in which it was their purpose to conquer the devil and his forces by trying to conquer Masonism. That was a big heresy of the time. Which had also, by the way, it had also spread into Mexico because that's Colby's living at the same time as the Cristeros. Colby was born in the 1890s. He'll die in 1941. So he's living at the time of the Cristeros, which the, Mason, the Masonic cult had actually spread to Mexico. And the president of Mexico, whose name was Calles, and his... Uh, Chief General Obregón. They were basically atheistic masons that wanted to destroy Catholicism in Mexico. So Colby set up an army to fight for the Immaculata and to fight it against the evil in the world, but especially against the Masonic cult. And he would wear the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, known as the Miraculous Medal. So, fast forward, Colby Colby is living at the time of Adolf Hitler. And Hitler was trying to eliminate the Jews. So Colby, as well as the Franciscans, there in Poland, would open up the doors of their convents or monasteries to shelter the Jews from the onslaught in the attack of the Nazi party. So Colby, one occasion, the Nazi army knocked at his convent and arrested him and then let him go. Another time Colby was arrested, and at this time, Colby, Father Maximilian Colby, was taken 
to a a concentration a, con a concentration camp in a place called Auschwitz a place called Auschwitz where he was present with many other prisons prisoners other catholic priests and colby was maltreated while he was there he tried to encourage people to trust in god but especially to trust in God, but also the trust in the Immaculata. Trust in God, but also the trust in the Immaculata. The culminating moment in the life of Colby <clears throat> was the following. If any prisoner if any prisoner in that concentration camp escaped, then ten other prisoners would have, have to die as a result of it. So it happened that a prisoner escaped and Ten men were chosen to die because of the escape of the one. One of the men, his name was Francisco, Francis, upon hearing his name called out that he was going to die in the bunker, a terrible death, he cried out, I can't die. I can't die because I have a I have a wife and I have a family. The Nazi shoulder says, Tough luck, you've been chosen, you're gonna die. Now is when Colby comes in. Colby, the prisoners were in lines. The Germans are very well ordered in lines of certain numbers. And Colby broke the line and he approached the Nazi officer, the commandant, which, if that were done, that would be the pain of death. But Colby, irrespective of the of the laws that they had set up, he broke the line and he drew close to the commandant. He said, "Why didn't you take my life?" This is a man that has no family. Has a family. I do not. And he said to him, 
Who are you? And Colby said, I am a Catholic priest. So instead of putting him to death there in the spot, the Nazi commandant allowed allowed for that exchange. So Colby and the other nine inmates who were chosen for the death sentence were taken off to what is called a, a bunker. And they were stripped of their clothes, thrown in this bunker, and they would die one of the most cruel deaths. One thing is to die as a martyr at a firing squad or even to be decapitated. But the way in which Colby would die with the other nine, he would die of starvation. So the days passed and whenever a soldier would pass in front of the bunker instead of hearing loud curses and imprecations and blasphemies that was usually the case of those who were dying what he heard was prayers and songs and that's what happened. Is that Colby, when he spent those last few days with the other nine men, he had actually formed a family. A family of brothers in Christ. He talked to them about God. He talked to them about heaven. He talked to them about the Immaculata. He instilled within them a great faith and trust in God. And as Carmen has pointed out, he also was able to, being a priest, he was able to hear their confessions. And gradually one died after another but Colby was the one that survived all the others. Even though Colby had a very weak constitution. As mentioned earlier, Colby only had one lung. His health was fragile. But his faith was as strong as iron. They all died one after the other. And Colby said, you're never going to see my body anymore. So after close to two weeks, dying of starvation, Colby did not die. So to evacuate the bunker, they injected 
into Colby's veins carbolic acid. And with this, Colby died. He's also known as the patron of the drug addicts because of the carbolic acid that was injected in his veins. And then he was thrown in the oven. His body was cremated and his rest were thrown in a nearby, nearby river. As he prophesied, you will never see my body again. So I thought, that I would, in honor of Mary's crowning, in honor of Mary's crowning as queen of heaven and earth, that I would tell you the story of the two crowns, which Mary, the queen of heaven and earth, gave the two crowns to her beloved son, now known as St. Maximilian Colby. Colby said, give me the two crowns. The crown of the religious life, the crown of purity, as well as the red crown, which would be the crown of martyrdom. What a beautiful story. So today in our meditation, today in our meditation, let's try to contemplate Mary in heaven, surrounded by the angels and the archangels and the saints and the martyrs. And Colby himself. Let's try to imagine that we are present there surrounded by the archangels, the angels, the saints, the martyrs, that we're surrounded by them. And we're present as we witness the crowning of Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth. Mary's the daughter of God the Father. Mary's the mother of God the Son. And Mary is the mystical spouse of God the Holy Spirit. Mary is the living tabernacle of the Blessed Trinity. So let's pray, my friends. The prayer of St. Louis de Montfort, who gave us the book True Devotion to Mary, by which we can consecrate ourselves to Mary. And let's pray in the words of St. Louis de Montfort. Mary is the quickest, easiest, shortest way to God Himself. And that Mary is indeed. Mary is indeed, my friends, the queen of all hearts.
The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.